Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. Well, the November 7th election is coming very quickly. And of course, there is two ballot issues, statewide ballot issues, issues one and issues two. We're going to be talking about issue one in the first part of the program. And of course, that would legalize abortion to the ninth month of pregnancy. It would wipe out all of Ohio's pro-life laws uh, that are on the books currently. Uh, The radical left, the ACLU, Planned Parenthood, a group of abortion doctors have been pushing this, but they're getting lots of help uh, from around the country of radical leftist interests pouring millions of dollars into Ohio. And that's why you're seeing a lot of those TV ads, uh, those slick TV ads that you're seeing, uh, some of which are just blatant lies, by the way. Uh, There's there's an ad out there saying that uh, people cannot get... uh, certain types of care, uh, women can't get uh, miscarriage care. That's not true in the state of Ohio, okay? I just know of uh, someone recently that unfortunately had a miscarriage and was in the hospital. Listen, they're, they're lying, and, you know, there's nothing stopping them except for another ad from our side to be able to roll out and talk about it. But money's limited on our side. In fact, they're outspending us four to one. And I'm talking about the conservative pro-life organizations around the state uh, and so you will see a few more ads from our side. But listen, it's important that you read and understand what this ballot language will do. And it's not just a statute passing of, a, of an issue on the ballot. This is a constitutional amendment. Some of you remember back in August, we tried to raise the threshold to 60% of any constitutional uh, amendment being proposed. We lost that uh, first go-around on the August 8th ballot. It will be back sometime in the next year or so uh, because we want to safeguard our state constitution uh, in Ohio to make sure that something just can't sneak by. Well, the polls are close on this as far as uh, uh, those favoring issue one. In fact, you're not seeing a lot of polls, and I, I think there's something to that. If they were running away with this thing, you'd see it all over the papers of the Cleveland uh, newspapers, Columbus newspapers. You're not seeing that. In fact, we were just told yesterday that the uh, Toledo Blade, their editorial department, actually came out and are urging a no vote on issue one. Governor DeWine and Fran DeWine have come out and have also urged a no vote on issue one. The Ohio Christian Alliance uh, is urging a no vote on issues one and two. So with us on the program is State Attorney General Dave Yost, and he's written a legal analysis of the ballot language, and we're going to go through it point for point. And so uh, you might want to get some folks to, to listen to the program who have maybe still have some questions about Issue 1. Attorney General, welcome to the program. Hello, Chris. It's good to hear your voice. Well, thank you, David. We appreciate uh, all that you're doing. Uh, thank you for writing this legal analysis. And I'd like to take you through basically what exactly what you've done here in writing this legal analysis at this point. Uh, Currently, at the state Supreme Court, your office, of course, is defending the Ohio heartbeat law that has been uh, challenged by a Cincinnati municipal court last year, and it's working its way through. Uh, Your legal team is defending what the state legislature and the governor signed into law that went into effect largely in part because after the Dobbs decision, you filed a motion 
with the federal court for the injunction to be relieved, and the heartbeat law went into effect for about four or five months. And then uh, it was enjoined with a case out of Cincinnati. Tell us a little bit about that. So the uh, the Cincinnati case is alleging that it's a violation of the state constitution to limit abortion to uh, before a heartbeat is detected. Uh, the judge that heard heard that case. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think had a, a pretty clear point of view based on the comments he made from the bench. Uh, and that, and that's fine. We have appealed that up, and it's pending in front of the Supreme Court right now uh, on uh, a couple of technical legal issues. Uh, they're not going to decide constitutionality itself, but uh, the, these other technical matters. Well, we know that when the heartbeat law went into effect after that you filed the uh, motion before the federal court, right after the Dobbs decision, I mean, within a day or two, uh, to make the uh, uh, heartbeat law, it would basically went into effect. And it was in effect for almost five months, I think, uh, maybe a little longer. And it was saving lives. We know that because we have people on the ground that are in front of the uh, Planned Parenthood clinics that counsel, that pray with people, they uh, pass out literature for them to keep their, their baby, and uh, they can uh, testify that were women coming out saying they can't do my abortion. One woman said, I really didn't want to do this anyways. I'd like to talk with you people about options. So we know it was saving lives. Uh, that was preterm clinic in Cleveland. But um, then the case out of Cincinnati, and of course, for a lot of us who have been in the pro-life battle for years, all, uh, really over four decades, it was really kind of really a rethinking because legally we were always told when it came to abortion, it had to go through federal court. Here comes a state municipal court that then files against the uh, heartbeat law that was passed by the Ohio legislature, signed by Governor DeWine into law uh, in his first year and yet um, and in his first term. But uh, then uh, it's back to state court. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so Dobbs has made it very clear that there's not a federal constitutional issue here. Uh, and that means that across the country, people have resorted to trying to find alternative means to uh, protect their ability to have abortions. Uh, sometimes that is uh, going to court on novel new legal theories, which is what's happening in the Cincinnati case uh, you mentioned from Common Police Court there in Hamilton County. Uh, in other places, they're going to the ballot, and uh, that's what we're facing here in Ohio. It happened in Michigan, uh, Kansas. Uh, and uh, Chris, I've got to be candid with you. Uh, the pro-life movement has not done well uh, at, the, at the ballot box. Um, since the Dobbs decision was handed down. Well, that's because it's a whole new set of rules, and we were positioned for a certain type of battle all these years. And then the political left, it's well-funded. We don't need to tell everybody how much money Planned Parenthood gets into the billions of dollars of money, and they get a lot of money from the federal government. And basically, they outgunned us uh, to bring these ballot initiatives in Michigan. They hit early there. 
uh, as you said, Kansas. But things are different here in Ohio. They're having a tougher go of it because I've served with a committee for the last, uh, almost a year now in November, a group called Protect Women Ohio, a group of pro-life organizers across the state. And with that, uh, we are mounting a quite a defense against this onslaught of the political left and the radical abortion industry of trying to codify into our state constitution abortion on demand. But you've written a legal analysis about this, so let's go through that. First of all, what led you to write the legal analysis? Well, I was being asked questions everywhere I went about what's going to be the effect of this. Uh, What laws are going to be impacted? How is it going to change Ohio? And uh, candidly, between some of that confusion and some of the deliberate distortions that I saw being offered by law professors who ought to know better, uh, I felt that it was important to put out a definitive, uh, objective uh, take on what was likely to happen in the legal world. After all, the Ohio Constitution designates the Attorney General as the Chief Law Enforcement Officer of the state. And we're uh, uh, that's right in the wheelhouse. So again, just emphasizing the the need to write this uh, analysis to clear things up for the general public. Yes, exactly. I mean, the, look, I work for the people. Uh, the people are sovereign. Uh, all political power is reserved according to our constitution to the people, not to the government. Uh, so my job is not to tell them what to think. But it is my job to explain what this thing on the ballot would do, and that's what we tried to do. Uh, it's on the website at the Ohio Attorney General's uh, website. The, there's a red button at the top that says, learn more on issue one and issue two. We did this for the marijuana issue as well. And uh, we encourage people to take a look. We show our work. We're right up front. Uh, we're very careful to scrub up any advocacy out of this, um, the voters get to decide. But we wanted to make it clear what it is that they're deciding about. We're talking with State Attorney General Dave Yost. He has written a legal analysis on Issue 1. Reading from uh, your introduction to the analysis, this is not a policy analysis and is designed only to describe what the legal effects of Issue 1 will be on our state. Whether issue one is good or bad or mixed policy is for the voters to decide. My purpose here is to describe what the choice is, not to suggest what the choice ought to be, that, what, or not uh, not the why. Below is a summary of some of the ways this amendment, if enacted, would change the law. The summary discusses the amendment's legal standards of how they compare to the different standards under Roe v. Wade, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, and concludes with a list of several laws that could be affected by the amendment if enacted. So let's talk about that, because Ohio, and I've been part of this uh, over the last 20 years, we have enacted a number of pro-life laws, uh, given that the Supreme Court would allow restrictions uh, to a limit as to, first of all, what was the viability standard, uh, and then there was test cases, across the country that was incrementally pushing back Roe v. Wade, abortion on demand, to the ninth month. Uh, There was uh, 
laws across the states to ban partial birth abortion. That happened uh, nearly 30 years ago. Ohio was one of the first states to enact that. Uh, over the years, parental night rights and parental notification of minors seeking an abortion, uh, when there would be a counselor at school or at some Planned Parenthood clinic, an underage person had to uh, notify that that facility had to make sure that the parents were aware of the counseling as well and what they were counseling. Uh, we passed also a 20-week abortion uh, ban, uh, and basically that was paying capable onboard protection act, a 20-week limit. All of these laws will be in jeopardy if issue one passes. You spell that out in your analysis. Explain. So none of these uh, laws are expressly appeal, repealed. In other words, uh, the Constitution, uh, the, the amendment doesn't say we're uh, repealing 29 whatsoever, 0. 0.02. Uh, it says uh, it creates this broad standard against which every statute, every law passed by the General Assembly will be judged. And it is much broader than uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which is the standard of the last 30 years. It's actually much broader even than Roe versus Wade. Uh, it will become uh, almost impossible, in my legal judgment, for the uh, General Assembly to be able to uh, legislate in this area, even about things like medical ethics uh, or uh, patient protection uh, issues like the transfer agreements to the hospital, all of these things are going to be uh, challenged uh, in due course in court. So the language itself, as, as stated, doesn't um, enumerate the laws that it would replace. There was actually a challenge before the state Supreme Court on that uh, very uh, issue that merit saying that this ballot language is not according to the state constitution because it does not state what it would replace. That uh, there was a challenge uh, in the state supreme court on that. Um, the court uh, decided otherwise, saying that that didn't challenge that. But yet, uh, in your analysis, you are enumerating what laws would be affected if the amendment was to pass. Yes, and some of them, there are good arguments about how um, where we might defend uh, defend parts of the laws. Um, on other issues, for example, um, uh, the heartbeat law, it's it's simply gone. Um, there will be no defense of the part uh, the heartbeat bill if issue one passes. It it uh, is just indefensible at that point. So there's a quite a, a range, and you can read in as much detail as you would like on the web. Um, like I said, we showed our work and explained uh, in, in quite a bit of detail. We'll also have that on our website at ohioca.org, or just search Ohio Christian Alliance. We'll have the Attorney General's legal analysis up there for you uh, so that you can read and review. But we also passed a Down syndrome uh, law that would basically bar abortions if it was determined that the child was Down syndrome. And this was basically selection uh, abortion. 
uh, saying that the Down syndrome children trial was of no worth uh, and that it should be aborted. We put a law in and saying, no, that should not be, that they, uh, there should be protections of Down syndrome children. And uh, so this law was passed. Also, uh, we passed uh, the 24-hour waiting period and informed consent law in Ohio. Uh, you know, again, also Ohio's current post-viability abortion restriction on similar restriction. So we've had some common sense um, pro-life laws. All these are in jeopardy if issue one passes. Explain. Well, it, there is a quirk that if you didn't understand law, you wouldn't really notice. Um, but issue one makes the statement that not only does any law that is passed by the General Assembly have to be narrowly narrowly tailored, um, that's a standard that we're used to, but it has to be narrowly tailored only for the purpose of promoting the pregnant individual's health, the woman's health. Uh, the amendment uses the word individual, I think, to get around the... Uh, fact that minors are you know treated differently in the law uh, we'll we'll see how that that case law develops if this passes but but this is very important because it used to be that it was the standard was narrowly tailored to promote a compelling governmental interest, for example, medical ethics um, or preventing the gruesome uh, procedure that is known as partial birth, uh, partial birth abortion. Under the new standard of issue one, they've created something out of whole cloth. I, I call it uh, exclusive scrutiny because now there is no competing interest. The only issue is, does it help uh, promote the health of the individual? Well, it's hard to say that a waiting period is going to promote the health of the individual. The argument for waiting period is we're dealing with uh, a, another at least potential life uh, in legal language, um, and that the the weight of that and the dignity of that other uh, consideration ought to be a weighty decision that shouldn't be made in a snap that it should, we should wait 24 hours. I mean, crying out loud, if you uh, put a new roof on your house and sign a contract, you've got 72 hours uh, before that is effective. You're allowed to, re you've got a rescission period. Uh, this is at least as important. But under issue one, it wouldn't. I, I'm at a loss to argue how it would promote the the woman's health. Um, and so that standard creates a real problem for anything that isn't um, directly laser focused on that one issue. And of course, we have we're, ta we're talking, yeah, values we're there that we want to consider. We're talking to State Attorney General Dave Yost. We're talking about the legal analysis he's written on issue one. Uh, David, I'm looking here where it says effect on non-abortion areas such as parental involvement in minors, use of contraception, sterilization, and transgender treatments. 
These other areas are of law are harder to assess because Ohio does not have specific status addressing minors' access to these medical treatments or products. Uh, there is legal opinion that this would include transgender uh, treatments. Your thoughts? Um, well, there are excellent arguments that, uh, and I, I read several of the uh, analyses that have been published by advocates. Um, my role here was to try to be as objective as possible. Um, so frankly, I think those arguments that there are impacts, at least in some of those procedures, uh, are, are, are pretty compelling. Uh, I'm also not willing to concede to that fight. If issue one passes, um, the, the attorney general's office is going to be in court trying to defend the statutes that have been passed by the General Assembly or may yet be passed by the General Assembly. So you'll understand why I don't want to concede the field of battle before the lawsuit is even filed. Well, that that's exactly right. Um, that's what I was wondering about this written legal analysis. Uh, ha have, have you exposed your office to prejudgment in your analysis of the amendment that would later be used against you when trying to defend our existing laws or laws yet to be passed by the Ohio General Assembly? Well, I have no doubt that it will be quoted in future court documents, and that was a risk that I accepted uh, when we decided that it was more important to uh, share what we see as the truth of the legal impact uh, of issue one with the voters. Um, but that being said, we were very careful uh, to where, where there was gray area, where there was room for argument to note that, even though there is significant legal jeopardy uh, if issue one passes. Now, on a personal note, uh, have you come out against issue one? Have you taken a position? Well, uh, Chris, we've known each other for a long time, and you know Darlene's story. Um, I've been pro-life for, like you, for uh, 40 years, and I'm going to vote against it. Given my role as the chief law officer here for Ohio, um, I'm trying to stay in my balls and strikes uh, job and, uh, you know, calling balls and strikes and being uh, fair, but make no mistake about it. I think this is, as a personal matter, I think that this goes way too far, even for people th that think that maybe the heartbeat bill is too uh, restrictive. Um, this goes way far the other way. This will be one of the most expansive pro-abortion legal environments in the United States, and indeed in the world, uh, if it passes. Well, uh, there you have it, folks. Uh, that's State Attorney General Dave Yost. That's the legal analysis. It's on his website. Uh, how Christian Alliance will have the legal analysis there. If you have people in your family that still have questions, this legal analysis will be helpful for them to read. Uh, Attorney General, thank you for being our guest today. It's good to talk with you, Chris. Take care. Well, thank you so much.
And if you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. You can also download the Ohio Christian Alliance Voter Guide on Issues 1 and 2. Well, stay tuned. We're going to hear uh, from the folks of Issue 2. In fact, the president of the FOP of Ohio, who, of course, has come out as one of the coalition members opposing Issue 2. And stay tuned. We're, we're going to be hearing from him of why we need to vote no on Issue 2 as well. Let me turn to abortion. The ban on partial birth abortions or late-term abortions, you supported that ban. I did and I do. Late-term abortions were too much for Biden. But if issue one passes... In the ninth month, you can take the baby and rip the baby out of the womb of the mother. That's not okay with me. Republicans and Democrats oppose the late-term abortions allowed under issue one. Join them. Vote no on issue one. America is kept safe because the Army National Guard responds, protects, and supports our nation when it needs them most. From fighting wildfires with air support, helping civilians in flooded neighborhoods, to delivering food and supplies to those who have lost everything, the Army National Guard always responds when disaster strikes. The Army National Guard also trains to be ever vigilant against threats, foreign and domestic. They protect our skies with missile defense weaponry. They secure our information, communications and infrastructure with cybersecurity. And they protect us against chemical, biological and radiological hazards with the civilian support team. The Army National Guard also stands ready to deploy and provide support for conflicts or humanitarian missions abroad. Join the Army National Guard and be there to respond, protect, and support your community and your country. Visit NationalGuard.com to learn more about part-time service. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. My birth mom was a scared teenager when she was forced into a late-term abortion. Because of a doctor's mistake, I survived. But my twin did not. I was left broken and hurt. Late-term abortion is real, and so is the pain. But the pro-choice industry wants it right up to birth. Abortions that are too late, too painful, and too extreme for Ohio. Will you stand for victims? Please say no to late-term abortion in Ohio. Paid for by Ohio Christian Alliance. The following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to be talking about issue two tonight, and I want to direct you to a website that's very helpful. Uh, It's protectohiofamilies.com. That's, again, protectohiofamilies.com. There is a coalition that's building against Issue 2, which would legalize recreational marijuana here in the state of Ohio. And there's a number of people that are coming forward with their own testimonies of how it's had a terrible effect uh, with their family members. And those videos and those testimonials are on the website of protectohiofamilies.com. Let's go to a report right now from Aubrey Adams, who shares her story. My name is Aubrey Adams, and as a person whose life has been devastated by marijuana, I urge Ohio not to make the same mistake Colorado made 
and commercialized marijuana. Soon after Colorado legalized marijuana, my son's behaviors began to change. He started self-harming. He became paranoid, delusional, and irrational. And then he tried to take his life. He was hospitalized twice and told me he was using marijuana dabs, and I didn't know what that was. He described dabs as strong marijuana. He said, Mom, I knew the dabs were making me feel crazy, and I was trying to quit. It's been a long, hard road. Marijuana was my son's gateway drug to meth and heroin. He's been in and out of recovery, and this has taken an emotional toll and a financial toll on every member of my family. Ohio, don't make the same mistake Colorado made. Protect your families. Don't commercialize marijuana. Well, it's on the November 7th ballot, and uh, Ohio is going to make a determination and a decision on legalization of recreational marijuana. We already have medical marijuana in this state. We've had that debate, uh, and it is being you know, dispensed through medical clinics. This is much different, folks. This would not be a good idea for Ohio. There's a coalition of law enforcement, medical professionals, the religious community that have uh, basically rallied to do, to oppose issue two, knowing just how terrible effect it's going to be on our communities, on our families, and actually our businesses. The Ohio Manufacturers Association, uh, the uh, Ohio Catholic Conference, the Ohio Christian Alliance, the Ohio Farm Bureau, uh, uh, of course, a number of law enforcement agencies also, as well as the Ohio Business Roundtable, are all opposing uh, Issue 2, and we're urging a, a no vote on Issue 2. I'd like to introduce my guest today to talk about it, and of course, uh, he has served in the police force for many years. He is now the president of the FOP of Ohio. I'm talking about Gary Wolski. He is a 42-year member uh, uh, in law enforcement, and uh, over his career of Lodge 67, uh, he served there. Uh, he also uh, had an illustrious career. Let's see, I want to read this to you. I was hired in 1979, was promoted to sergeant in 1989, and lieutenant in 1994, worked in patrol until 2004, then became an administrative lieutenant until Ju June of 2011, and then became commander of the Detective Bureau and was made the chief designee uh, in retirement. He currently serves as a chief security bailiff for a municipal court in Northeast Ohio. Please welcome with me the president of the Ohio FOP, Fraternal Order of Police, Gary Wolski. Gary, welcome. Hi, Chris. Thank you very much. I appreciate the uh, kind words and also the opportunity to speak with you today. Well, absolutely. We support, support the uh, men and women in blue all across our state as an organization, and, uh, of course, what we've seen in recent years with the intensity of crime on the rise, we have seen uh, enrollments uh, decrease in Cleveland. In fact, I was just up to an event, talked to one of the uh, fine members of uh, that wear the blue, and uh, they're trying to recruit more young people to get involved with law, law enforcement in the city of Cleveland. Of course, Akron is also down in its recruitment, and Columbus and many of our urban cities and it's because the rise of crime and drugs are a large part of that to bring uh, the kind of insidious uh, criminal activity into our cities that just make uh, law enforcement that much more of a challenge. Uh, your thoughts about the proposal of legalizing recreational marijuana in Ohio? Well, Chris, first off, as you said earlier, 
you know, the Buckeye Sheriff's Associations against us, the Ohio Chiefs and Police Association. We are we're obviously the, the most formidable, you know, group of law enforcement officers in in the state. And there's just a lot of bad things that come along with this. It's you know, no matter what anybody tells you, crime's gonna increase. The typical person now that doesn't go out and buy street drugs from the street dealer is gonna all of a sudden decide, well, it's legal now, I can do it, but I still can't afford it, so I'm gonna have to go out and commit crime. And as you mentioned just a few seconds ago, the numbers of law enforcement officers are down throughout the state. My former agency is about, we had about 62 people when I was there. I think they're down in the low 50s now. And that's just a, a, a small suburban place in, in Cleveland. Columbus is down a bunch. Cleveland's down, you know, three to 400. Cincinnati, everybody's down. So with an increase in crime comes a more need for law enforcement, and we just don't have the numbers available. That's well, right. and that, yeah, and this this proposal is going to just make things worse for law enforcement and for all of our communities. The business community, of course, is greatly concerned because when you talk about uh, working heavy equipment on the job site uh, and uh, work related accidents, this is only going to create more problems of those who are using recreational marijuana on a regular basis. They've seen already the models in California and Colorado, other states that went ahead and legalized recreational marijuana. This is not the marijuana. We have to repeatedly say that of 30 years ago or 40 years ago, uh, this is not your grandpa's weed. This is a, a highly uh, you know, charged dose of marijuana, like the report what the mom just said, Aubrey just said, is that the THC levels in this marijuana is so much greater, and it really creates a lot more problems. Can you talk about that? Sure. I think, you know, like you said, the, you know, your grandfather's weed, we call it Woodstock weed. That was like 5% THC. A lot of this stuff nowadays, these, these edibles, the cookies, ice creams, candies, all of that kind of stuff, it's up to 99% THC. I mean, that's, you know, pretty much pure. There's there's not much, you know, you're going to get high very quick from this stuff. And, you know, again, it's as you mentioned, you know, there's a there's a big concern in the workplace. Folks are going to go to work operating heavy equipment under the influence or at least having having marijuana in their system. And that can only you know, that's going to lead to injuries. Sadly, it'll probably lead to deaths in the, in the workplace and things like that. And, and what it does to the you know people working with these folks. Um, you know, one of the biggest concerns for law enforcement is in Colorado. Um, they saw an eight, almost an eight and a half percent increase in property crimes and almost a 19 percent increase in violent crimes when marijuana became legal. Those aren't low numbers. That's not just because, you know, crime got worse because and this is, you know, many years ago. So it wasn't that there was a, you know, a, a lower number of police officers. This is back when everybody was pretty much full staffed and everything. Um, you know, w one of the other big things is, is the effect that this is going to have on, on, on folks on the motoring public. I think the uh, Department of Highway Safety did a uh, did a study, and I, I think that they found that you know we're going to have probably an additional 50 traffic fatal traffic you know accident fatalities and about 2,300 more traffic injuries if marijuana becomes legal as a, as a recreational drug. And those are staggering numbers. And you know, I don't want my family out there, you know, as a motoring public or as a pedestrian walking down the street with those kind of numbers. I mean, it's amazing to me that we would allow people to, to vote on increasing the deaths and injuries that we're going to 
inflict upon our families and our friends and our neighbors and things. It's just, you know, that's kind of unrealistic for me that we would allow that type of stuff to happen. Well, that's right. And I'm reading here from the report of uh, the Colorado traffic deaths since the legalization of marijuana. It increased 24% overall. But in 2019, according to the Hudson Institute, uh, traffic fatalities, 25% in the state of Colorado. I mean, it went from 15% to 25% in 2019. So this is really going to be bad for the the roadways out there. It's already an obstacle course, the way people drive these days. It's so hectic and chaotic. And you throw in there now the recreational marijuana widespread throughout the state of Ohio. It's going to lead to a lot of uh, tragedy on the roadways. Uh, We're talking with with Gary, who is the president of the FOP of Ohio, Gary Wolski. And uh, again, the FOP has joined the coalition against the uh, legalization of recreational marijuana. So it's vote no on issue two. And the election is coming quickly. Folks, we need to get everybody out there to vote no on issue two. Uh, Gary, we can only think also that when you legalize something, it just inspires young people. Then say, oh, well, it's not so bad. Look, uh, Dad's smoking marijuana or, you know, Uncle Charlie. Uh, and then it's just going to proliferate with young people getting involved with drugs more as as we go ahead, if, if Ohio does go ahead and legalize recreational marijuana. Uh, you're absolutely right. I think that the statistics that you just mentioned about the increase in Colorado is can maybe be, you know, some from that where, you know, all of a sudden young kids are getting the idea that, hey, this is okay. So now these are people that were, you know, getting recreational marijuana probably illegally. Like we all bought beer when we were 18 years old. You had some 21-year-old friend buy it for you. But these are folks that got addicted to it when they were, you know, younger and they were teenagers. And now that they're driving and they're part of the motor public, we're seeing these, these accidents happen. And, you know, there's nothing that said that's not the case. There's nothing I, that I've seen that says it is. But, you know, I, I just saw a recent study from Colorado Division of Criminal Justice that um, they tested 4,000 drivers for marijuana in 2016. 73% were found to have marijuana in their system. That's a lot. That's yes, it is. Three out of four. That's three out of four. And I don't know that I want to put myself on the road or my family on the road or have my friends be on the road when three quarters of the people are high. You know, sadly here in Ohio, last General Assembly, the good folks in Columbus decided to raise the per se level of marijuana you were allowed to have in your system. Uh, I'm pretty old, and historically my whole law enforcement career, we've lowered the number, the amount of alcohol you're allowed to have in your system. But for some reason, the good folks down there decided that we should increase the amount of marijuana you can have in your system. I have no idea why that would be. I don't know what their reasoning was behind that, but that seems like we're going the wrong way. You know, that's something that we should say, hey, you got to have less marijuana in your system than you did last year when, you know, especially we're going to make it recreational where everybody can, can get their hands on it. And, you know, again, with the legalization, I think a lot of people are under the misconception that this is going to cause the street dealers to go away. And we all know about the, you know, the, the drug problem with, you know, turf wars and, and things like that. And, you know, drug dealers ripping off their their, support, their buyer or their buyer ripping off the drug dealer and turns into some type of violence. I think that we're not going to see that go away. A drug dealer's livelihood is selling drugs. If he's not selling drugs, he's not going to go work at McDonald's. 
spent on work at Target, he's going to lower his prices to compete with the legal dispensaries. They're not going to go away. That's, that's their livelihood. That's what they want to do. They don't want to get up and do an eight to five job or anything like that because they want to sleep till noon and get up and sell their drugs and, you know, do, do things like that. And I, I think that, you know, to make the point on that, Oregon, there was a, a police report that said that currently in 2016, 70% of the marijuana sales were still black market, which is the guy in the street corner. That's incredible. That tells you that these folks aren't going away. They're still going to be out there. They're going to be competitive, which is going to lead to more violence because the guy on your corner is going to sell it for X number of dollars, and the guy in my corner is going to sell it for a little bit more. So they're going to have a little battle because I can't lower my prices to, to where you're at. So they're going to try to you know, move in on each other's territory or eliminate the competition more so than they already do. It, it, it's just a... You know, it's overall, it's just not a good idea. It's, it's going to increase crime. And one of the other things that was shown in Colorado when they started this was the, and this should be something that really, you know, joggles, jogs the mind of the normal citizen, the number of ER visits for small kids that are picking up these edibles. And, and we've all seen these things advertised in magazines or the internet or whatever. These edible candy bars look just like the real candy bar. Just the wrapping's the same, the coloring's the same, the name is just the same. And I have a two-year-old grandson that can't read, but he knows what a candy bar looks like. And he's going to take that candy bar and he's going to eat it, and he's going to overdose, and they're, and, they, and they're winding up in the emergency rooms. The same with the brownies and things. These are, you know, put a put a plate of marijuana brownies on the table and, and ask a toddler which one's the real one, the real brownie or the marijuana brownie. They ingest these things because parents are, are careless. They leave this stuff out. These young, young children get into this, and they wind up in the emergency rooms. That's well, that's exactly right. Uh, you know, like you said, these uh, kid-friendly forms of candy, like uh, uh, gummy bears and cookies and candies, the kids don't know any different. And uh, like right. you said, it's just going to mean uh, young, adult, you know, young people, uh, children, uh, toddlers even, uh, ingesting this and having real problems. Uh, we're talking with Gary from the FOP of Ohio. We're talking about Issue 2. Folks, you need to get out there and vote no on Issue 2. This is a terrible proposal. You know, back to what you talked about, uh, this provo- proposal actually enables homegrown, which uh, will inevitably create a cottage industry of home growers dealing marijuana laced with even more dangerous substances. I mean, your troopers deal with that. Uh, because we have a fentanyl problem. And so these people will do crossover with these things, with marijuana, with fentanyl, with heroin. And, of course, marijuana still is the gateway drug. At the different uh, recovery clinics, 9 out of 10 patients admit that they started with marijuana. Your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. And, and there's a there's actually a provision in this uh, initiative that there's a 10% tax going to be levied on the sale of mar- the legal sale of marijuana. Marijuana. Part of that money is going to addiction services. What does that tell you? That tells you that the government knows that you become addicted to marijuana, or as you said, it's a gateway drug to something else. So they're dedicating a good portion of this tax. I think it's I think it was in the area of twenty five percent of this ten percent tax is going to go to addiction services because we know it's bad for you. We know you become addictive. We know it's a gateway drug. And I think the the National Institute of Health said that regular marijuana use reduces your IQ by eight points. 
eight points is a lot when you're talking about IQ. You know, it, it's the difference between making really good decisions and really bad decisions, I think. And it, it's just one of those, you know, again, we know it's bad. We're telling you it's bad because we're dedicating money to the addiction part of it. And you had mentioned, you know, the homegrown problem with the folks that are going to be, you know, wasting it with things. Yeah, that's how the street corner guy is going to do better than the dispensary because he's going to give you something to give you a, a better kick or, you know, he's going to add heroin to it or fentanyl to it or back in the old days, PCP, all of these things that, that they added to marijuana over the course of the years to get you to buy his product because his product is going to be better than the state product. And he doesn't have to charge tax. He doesn't have to worry about taxes and, 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 and overhead. He's buying it from another dealer. He's not growing it someplace. You know, it's, yeah, it's just not a good mix at all. And again, there's, there's another part of that tax that's going to, um, I think about 30, 35% is earmarked for social and job equity. And I'm not quite sure what exactly social and job equity means, but when a, when a, a Walmart comes into a neighborhood and a mom and pop hardware store goes out of business, they give these folks some money so that, you know, because they put them out of business, same we, we, we do with farmers. When we ask farmers, hey, we're going to have a lot of corn this year, so don't plant all your corn this year. We'll pay you not to plant things. Does that mean we're going to pay drug dealers to not sell their drugs because we realize that we're trying to put them out of business? They're not going to go away. We're not going to, we're not going to pay drug dealers to go away. But to me, that's what social and job equity means or, or certainly can mean. I don't know what else it would mean. But, you know, again, there's just no good reason to do this. And, and I, I sat on the commission when we investigated medical marijuana for Ohio before it was put on the ballot. And it was an eye-opening experience. And in a controlled environment with a doctor prescribing it for you, I learned that there's a lot of good things that the marijuana can do for a certain group of people with certain ailments and illnesses and, and, and things like that. And, you know, coming from a law enforcement background and, you know, always against drugs because of all the things we've already talked about that they do, there is you know, some good use. And I mean, fentanyl isn't all bad. They use it, they use it as a sedative for you. You know, when you, when you have surgery, they, they use it you know, to block pain and things. So there are good uses for these things. And, and, and the state, you know, saw that they recognized that and they allowed medical marijuana under doctor's orders and things like that. And it does help people with, you know, glaucoma, some cancer patients with pain and suffering and things like that, I think has been shown to to help PTSD, but for the normal person that just wants to sit in their patio and have a uh, adult beverage and, and, and smoke some marijuana or however they're going to ingest it, be it through an edible or however, I, I don't see much reason for it. My birth mom was a scared teenager when she was forced into a late-term abortion. Because of a doctor's mistake, I survived, but my twin did not. I was left broken and hurt. Late-term abortion is real, and so is the pain. But the pro-choice industry wants it right up to birth. Abortions that are too late, too painful, and too extreme for Ohio. Will you stand for victims? Please say no to late-term abortion in Ohio. Paid for by Ohio Christian Alliance. We're talking with Gary Wolski. He is the president of the FOP. The FOP has come out. In full force against Issue 2, the Ohio Christian Alliance is also urging a no vote on Issue 2. Uh, we just have a few minutes left. Let me give you a website. Uh, it's protectohiofamilies.com. Uh, again, that's protectohiofamilies.com. 
where you can get more information on this. Gary, I'm just looking here. Uh, Intoxicating cannabis products, including marijuana, can have a major impact on safety and work environment. Uh, This is by the Quest Diagnostics. Uh, Post-accident workforce drug positivity for marijuana reached a 25-year high in 2022. The, The business community is alarmed by this proposal because they're already having a real challenge getting qualified workers, trained workers for Ohio. Throwing this into the mix just is not good for Ohio's business climate and basically for people working productive jobs uh, to get on with their lives and, and actually the American dream. This is actually an American nightmare. Your thoughts? Well, I think, and, I, and you know, I, I, I'm aware of that. And I also, you know, have, have, have seen some other data that uh, the positivity rates in the workplace in, in states that are legal is, is up as much as 48% in Nevada, 14% in Massachusetts. The uh, injuries, we're, we're seeing an increase in the positivity rate of about 4% in the general workforce and 8% in safety sensitive workforces, which goes back to, you know, our earlier conversation about, you know, folks operating, you know, heavy equipment, construction equipment, crane operators in, in, you know, in in warehouses and steel manufacturing places and things like that. That's a lot of people, you know, it doesn't, you know, the number 8% sounds low, but when you consider how many people that actually is, that's a lot of people going to work every day that are, that have marijuana in their system and are they going to make a decision that's not good? Is their reaction time going to be a little bit slower? Is your memory going to be in, impaired? Are your skills going to be impaired? All those things that you just mentioned, you know, those things are going to, they're real. They're true. They're going to happen. We're going to see an increase in injuries. Sadly, we're probably going to see an increase in fatalities. Many of these jobs that are going to be at risk are very high-risk jobs as it is. Construction folks need to be on top of their game all the time. Folks building skyscrapers, the iron workers standing up on those, you know, six-inch wide beams can't take a misstep. Well, that's right. Again, the website is protectohiofamilies.com. It is the campaign against Issue 2, and we urge you to go out and vote no on Issue 2. Early voting and in-person voting has already begun. Make sure you cast your ballot and vote no on Issue 2. That's the better way for Ohio is to safeguard us against this terrible proposal on the legalization of recreational marijuana. Let's not make Ohio like California and Colorado folks uh, that are having real problems with uh, the legalization of pot. Uh, Gary, I want to tell you, uh, we really respect your service uh, in the police force and all those who serve uh, in blue across the state. Please pass along our appreciation for all the men and women who serve us uh, in the uh, police uh, forces across the state. I will do that. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. Thank you, and thank you for your fight on this issue, too. And thanks for being my guest today. Not a problem. Anytime you know how to reach me. All right. Thank you. God bless you, my friend. Sure. Well, if you've missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. We also have the Ohio Christian Alliance Voter Guide on Issues 1 and 2 that you can print and download right from our website. And if your church needs voter guides on Issues 1 and 2, you can also request them on our website. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. 
thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.